Welcome to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. Join us as we review our favorite RPGs, collectible card games, MMOs, video games, PC games, and bring up interesting topics and things that we'd like to share with everyone. Sit back and enjoy the show. This is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, assigned to Ragnarok Story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. We'll, we'll give you all demonstration, but... <laughs> oh, so this is why you aren't allowed a microphone. Pretty much. I'm sorry, sad people. I want you to know I respect your microphones. But I went to opera school a long time ago. And I'm a lyrics and piano, but notoriously, But it's still a very time consuming 
visually why it's a terrible idea. But essentially, should we start out with what is a corset, or are you all familiar with like what makes <coughs> something a corset and not a waist cincher or a bustier or a bodice or a bodice? Who is unclear on the terms? Awesome, wonderful. So a corset is going to be a garment um, that usually runs from hip to either under your breast material or nipple or over. That is meant to provide a smooth silhouette under your clothes or over it in this day and age. And also to provide some shaping. It's kind of like a girdle, only far more comfortable. Oh, girdles can die in a fire. <laughs> <laughs> Upper class 
or their wealth. It's one of those, look at how much money I have to spend on my clothing. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of that was heavy. And so, <coughs> of course it also distributes the weight of your clothes so that it's not digging into your waist or dragging on your hips. Pardon me, I drank my water in a way that you're not supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> Which is I inhaled it till I breathe at the same time. <clears throat> so they were function garments, and today we use them a lot in fashion. Mm -hmm. And especially in the steampunk world, we like to wear them on the outside so everyone can see this beautiful garment that you have definitely invested some money in. Like, even inexpensive corsets are not free, generally. Every now and again, you'll get a free corset. You should pay attention to who's giving it to you and why. <laughs> because, like, sometimes they're cursed. I did give a cursed corset away to a young lady. It was the green plaid Macbeth corset. Well, yeah. giving it away has she wears it famously. I know, it's amazing. It looks like I made it for her, but for me, it was like it was out to kill me. Like, <laughs> it was a never-ending trial. It was amazing. So every now and again, you'll get something like that. Somebody's like, oh no, take it, free, it's yours. Question them. Um, lest it roll down your abdomen like space. So, <laughs> so but these days, expensive corset is not inexpensive, so people like to show them off. And also it's a bit of, um, well, I wouldn't say a trial, but it's a commitment to wear one. Because once you put it off, it put it on, it's not that easy to take it off. It's not like, I don't like this accessory, it's too hot. Or these shoes are pinching a little bit, I'll just change shoes. No, you're looking at like a costume change. So. It's a commitment, it's, it's an investment in money. You want it to be comfortable. And people want to show them off. So you're seeing them a lot more. How many have gone to Ren Fair? How many of you have heard, either up close or far away, oh, if it doesn't hurt, it's not tight enough. <laughs> well, they're wrong, they're lying to you. Walk away from them. We do not like that phrase. We also, while enjoying some aspects of Gone with the Wind, like the green velvet gown, for its, you know, aesthetic properties, would probably like to stab the scriptwriters repeatedly for the scene where she's holding the bedpost. <laughs> <laughs> and the 17-inch like, oh, you just had a baby, let's just tighten it up. <laughs> yes, okay. <laughs> so we're kind of here to talk about tips and, and trades and, and things like that. We've got a number of courses. Most of the corsetry that we make right now our Victoriana that has the, the, the hourglass shape comes up over, um, the modern ones come up over so you know you can wear it as outerwear without too much underneath it. Um, I have a example of a Tudor corset. Um, for those of you do, who don't know Tudor, that's King Henry VIII. And sometimes in the literature it's called a pair of bodies. Yes. Um, and again, it's the same function, but a very different silhouette. So a lot of people, even in their Elizabethan Tudor corsets, go ahead and do front busk and lace up the back because it's much more convenient. Um, typically, 
in the time period, it's a it's a back lace corset. So you have to fully lace and unlace every time. Depending on your class, but we're talking about what's going to work for you and look pretty, um, not historical reenactments. If you want historical reenactment information, we have made historically accurate undergarments. We can answer those questions. But for, the, for this panel, that's just gonna be a survey. Right. So th this is this is a Victorian uh, Elizabethan Tudor corset. Yes. Thank you. Um, and this this is basically the center is the front. You can see it's pretty much flat across the top, so it basically grazes your nipples. It's designed. Let me fold this to take all of the gentle curves that God graced to woman and smash them into an inverted triangle cylinder. Yes. And then you put a Spanish farthingale on it, and, and then you have the other triangle on the inside, and then you have this like. Um, really like Black Widow hourglass shape instead of the Southern Belle hourglass shape that, that to my modern eyes is more graceful. Okay? But doesn't that like really push everything in? Um, like, like, hold on. in? Just like, I did not tight lace today because I've been on the sales floor all day. So we're going to pretend that this is flat. But it, what this corset tends to do is it tends to do this. Right, so it's trying to make you a cylinder. So I'm yes, not sure. It does push everything sort of more smashed. But if it is ever uncomfortable, <laughs> if you put on a corset, we're going to stress that over and over again, all right? Because it's very important. If it hurts, it is not fitted properly. Or laced properly. There or are, made properly. Right. It's one of those. One of those. Or more. Sometimes all three. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes two out of three. But it's not it's not you, it's the garment. And anyone who sometimes people will be like, no, no, hurting is alright. No. No. People actually used to wear these all day, every day, and live active full lives. They could not take out ribs. No, no, they did not. They could not be in pain and suffering. Even the fashion plates had to live. So if your corset hurts, there's a problem, not you. Correct. All right. So so the Tudor corset makes that cylinder. Yes, it smashes. So if you go to like the Ren Fair, you'll see lovely people in the bodices and they have sort of that more cylindrical shape and like the when she smash and it's charming and it's good for tankards and all of that um and it's just a different look and that you go forward and the shape of corsets changes with the era and the silhouette they want to create so we are going to focus mostly on like Victorian inspired steampunk corsets. So we're not going to focus too much on the um, sort of change through the centuries to that shape. But suffice it to say, silhouettes change and so the undergarments change to support them. Much as undergarments change today. When I was young, there were much different undergarments because we wore mom jeans. And now <coughs> jeans ride lower on the hip, so mom undergarments don't work with those. <laughs> <laughs> the, the waistline's rising again, though. 
Um, is it? This is the this is a Victorian silhouette. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pass this around in quick succession so you can actually see what the difference is. Go ahead and turn it inside out. Blah blah blah. Um, and then we'll kind of go through some of the differences and options as we talk. Um, on, on this blue and teal one that's going to come around, if you open it up, there's a yellow waist tape, and we'll talk about what that does for that corset. Right, and we will be watching, so no matter how much you love these, remember <laughs> we actually wear them, we bled in them, we cried in them, we're close to them, we'll walk them back. We'll track you down with Godzilla. <laughs> when you're done, pass them up forward. So, the Victorian silhouette that I was really emphasizing. Bless you. Yeah, darling. Watch out for the lemons. <laughs> it's really emphasizing that graceful hourglass. And part of the way you create that is the cut of your corset. Now, in terms of base patterns, if you are looking to make your own, we really love the truly Victorian uh, corset pattern. It will run you, if you want to do a historically accurate garment, it will go from like just before the Civil War all the way through most of the 19th century um, with all of those garments just fine. It's a very functional corset and personally I love the basic way it fits even before you alter it for custom tailoring. We've also used the Latin Moon Mercantile corset um, and that company has a packet that has two different styles of corsets and they're very nice to work with but I like the instructions for Truly Vic a little bit more. Those are online companies if you decide you want to try like a simplicity corset or a buttrick, just no, just don't do it. Well, I mean, I don't actually recommend it. Um, they're drafted to have ease, which means they're actually drafted to be loose, which doesn't work well in corsets because you want them to be snug. So if you do get a simplicity or buttrick corset and you're like, I have my design sense, I want to make a corset, I'm just going to give it a try, size down, you know, instead of your normal size in that pattern. In fact, you know how it works with pattern companies and you like look at the pattern size and, and it's not your dress size, but you have to follow the measurements instead. Just buy your dress size instead because pattern sizes are already always like measurements are small compared to what we get off the rack. And then you will get away from that ease issue. You do not want four inches of ease in your corset. It will hang on you and then you'll be like, it'll twist. Yes. It'll be worse than rolling down your torso. Um, at this point, I also want to say, do not try to make a corset as the first garment you've ever made. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, this really? seems like a well-done moment, but I liken it to running the Boston Marathon. If you are not already in training, you're not going to wake up tomorrow and say, I'm going to run a marathon next weekend. That's a great idea. Yeah. But you could totally run around the block a few times. Yeah, you could start training and eventually you get to the marathon, but you need 
You need at least, I would say, moderate, a moderate skill set before you tackle a corset. It's not difficult per se, but it takes precision. So practice is key, and the other thing is that you're just basically sewing straight lines everywhere, but you need to be able to do some tricky things with fitting, and that's where a lot of skill comes in. And you must be comfortable with like always finding the grain on your fabric. Um, you can see it maybe better in this one. Um, this is an ancient corset. For those of you who've seen me this weekend previously, I've worn it for the last two days for, I mean, more than 12 hours a day. I lost track, really. I made this corset almost five years ago. So it has been through that kind of rugged wear. Um, for years now, but it's made of coutil, and that is like fabric that is created just for corsetry, basically, because it's strong but light. Yeah, sometimes it's called corseting. Yes. Yes, but I mean, these days you can find it frequently as coutil, which is C-O-U-T-I-L. Um, but this coutil has a herringbone pattern in it. It's really easy to see where the grain is, and so you have to follow the grain on your corset pieces. If you are cutting your corset piece on the bias, on the diagonal, it will have stretch to it. So, so this is against the weft, this is against the war, warp. Yes. Or, words are hard. And uh, this is the diagonal. That's the bias. And see how it stretches even though it's not like spandex. So you want to make sure. Yes, madam. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're doing weft or warp just as long as it's on straight grain. Uh, it should be It should be vertical. Right, so I mean. Parallel like, to the, or per perpendicular to the selvage edge. Yeah, perpendicular. Yes. Uh, parallel to the selvage. Parallel. You could probably get away with doing the other, but the fabric is made to be cut in that direction. Yeah. Well, we'll also we'll also give you our primary supplier name. She does retail work too. Yes, so. and um, she's lovely. She is in LA. She ships very quickly, and her prices are some of the best on the market. Her name is Lois, and she owns Richard the Thread. Which is awesome. <laughs> I know. It's like when we first started ordering from her, I was like, oh, Richard the Thread, probably owned by someone named Richard. No, Lois. <laughs> Lois owns it. She's a beautiful, delightful woman. Um, and she's really happy to answer questions over the phone about her stock. And she has a really good selection of corset supplies. Corset making supplies, I should say. So I'm going to pass around my poor, delightful, you know, abused red and black beauty. And you can look at the coutil inside, and since it's cream, you can really see the herringbone pattern. And I want, I, I want to show no waste tape, okay? Right. This is a two-layer coutil corset with a cotton outer fabric, because I want to dress black. And I... And um, we use spiral steel bones rather than 
the flat white spring steel bow. Yeah, let me let me let me do a quick demo. The teal one that's going around has the flat steel bones. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, this mm -hmm. has the the spiral steel. Now both both bones will flex this way. The spiral steel bones will flex this way. Which means okay. you can go front and back and side to side. Um, that, that one won't bend mm -hmm. in that direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because there's a little bit of damage on the inside of one of the, of where, where the bone is on the inside at one point, and you can, so you can have some feet into it to give up. Yes. That corset oh, yeah. is 20 <laughs> years old. This is a 20-year-old corset. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm just saying that you can actually Yeah, so this is a flat steel bone right here. And you can also feel the weight. I don't want to steal things in my body. So some people will make corsets out of um, canvas or duck, which is a cheaper alternative, and it will work. Although the canvas and duck will stretch out of shape over time more quickly, um, but it's much heavier than the coutil. It's also rougher. So coutil is light and strong. And it's not going to stretch out. Yes, and that's what I was going to ask is if, you know, I read online that duck fabric can be a substitution for teal because teal can be kind of on the pricey side. It is a bit spendy. Yeah, but generally, especially if you're if you're making a corset for yourself, um, you can do your fashion fabric, a layer of canvas, a layer of coutil. Um, when you do it that way, I highly recommend that you put the next to the, the layer that's going to be next to your skin uh, because it's a kinder material than canvas or duck. Now it will be heavier than a pure couture corset um, and you can make completely canvas corsets. You really can. Use a waist tape. That's a really good idea because that's what's going to stretch the most and the point of the waist tape is to prevent it from stretching out of shape at your waist. Because that's what's at the most tension. Yes, madam. What is the coutil in it? Is it a cotton? It's cotton. cotton. It's a tightly woven double herringbone weave cotton. Or tightly spun double herringbone. Yes, madam. Okay, so I've worked with uh, straight steel bones before, forever ago. But um, how do you cap spiral steel? The same way. Actually, well, actually yeah, you don't dip it. They have these little U-tips. We have dipped it, though. We have dipped it, and I don't like it. I don't like dipping their bones. I mean, some people really enjoy dipping their bones. Ice for spiral steel. So what we found about these two tools is, on a spiral steel. What did they say? No, it was fine. It was fine. So, um, the tool dip will work, but it's bulky, and spiral bones are already thicker than the uh, flat spring steel bones. And so you add that bulk onto them, and they're hard. Isn't that beautiful?
So we all have some tending to do it. Well, the other thing about spiral bones and our corset supplier is if you know how long you need your bones, she will cut them and cap them for you. Nice. Pre-cut, pre-capped spiral steel bow stays are the most expensive way to buy stays. Um, we buy the spiral steel in rolls because we make a lot of corsets all the time. But if you are just doing one corset, you're just making one off, and you don't know if you're ever going to make another one again, I wouldn't invest in a 25 yard roll of spiral steel bones. I would get the pre-cut ones. So I'm a large lady, and most of my corsets are like 20 to 24 fold. And <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're not spending that much if you get pre-cut. Yes, madam. While it's in my hand, I notice you have these cool hooks. We'll get to the busk. the busk. The busk. Okay. The busk. Our friend, the busk. Sometimes the most intimidating part of a Victorian corset. Actually, for someone who's never inserted a busk before, um, this is probably going to be your most challenging part of creating your corset. Um, it takes, if you notice in our corsets, it's top stitched along the edge of the bust point. Except for this one, which I will pass around. Um, I, this, this beauty, this poor dear corset. Um, well, hello, sweetie. Um, this poor dear corset has been through the races, literally, and um, it's really abused. Um, but where was I going? <laughs> top stitching. Top, top stitching. It does not have a top stitching by the edge, and you can see probably where the stitching in the front seam along the busk is starting to come out. That is a fail point that we have discovered with corsets and the busk if you're wearing them a lot. And so something we do that we don't necessarily see a lot of people do is we top stitch that edge as a reinforcement. It's not necessary, but and it's top stitching happens after the busk goes in. <laughs> so you need to be incredibly careful with your needle. Right, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. needles will not go through steel. <laughs> yes. I've been on a lot of corset panels this weekend, and so I just thought I'd bring this up because maybe there's some people in the room. Um, I worked at a costume shop. If we were going to be sewing with boning, we had to wear glasses. Oh, like, even if they were actor glasses or anything. No, I just I always wear glasses. These are safety glasses. But yes, if you're going to really any kind of powerful machinery, you should wear something safety because even in normal sewing, if that needle breaks in three pieces, mm -hmm. that middle piece is going to go flying in some direction. Mm. I've actually been cut on the face with a shattered needle right Sweet. here, which is why I started wearing glasses most of the time. So I do wear glasses um, when I'm not Madame Askew, and um, I wear, I'm nearsighted, but. Um, I like them for the sewing. You don't need like the serious safety goggles like you might wear in the welding shop. But I, was, I used a pair of actors' glasses. Perfect. <laughs> but the, the truth is that in a sewing workshop, the more advanced your sewing, the more dangerous it becomes. Now, lots of sharp implements, 
We use razor blades to, you know, see hammers, chisels, punches, awls. Um, I love my needle pointed awl. It is like my special tool. I did shove that all the way through the fleshy part of my thumb one day. How? Oh. I did try and cut off part of my thumb and thumbnail with a rotary cutter. So like, so we, we kind of I have a phrase. Yeah, we kind of have a phrase in our workshop. Basically, um, uh, when a, if you follow either of us on our personal page or on Madame Q page, if you ever see the phrase and now it's a project, it means blood has been shed. <laughs> so, so damage can happen, but with loans, you, with stays, you are at an increased risk of possibly shattering a needle. And, and you don't know how that needle will shatter, so it could just like break off and go to the side, or it could fly at your eye. So glasses are not a bad idea, but you don't have to worry about toxic chemical burns. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna start passing around my the Obi. Japanese Obi style with the, with the cheater Obi bow. Um, so this, this is designed to go in a kimono. If you saw the fashion show last year, I was wearing it. Um, because it has a smooth front, it is simply a backless corset, which means it has to be completely laced and unlaced every time it goes on, which is why we have the busk, because you can have the back lace, loosen it, unbusk, rebusk, and then tie. It's much faster. If you have to lace this each and every time, you're just gonna quit. Right, okay. because that, when we're making a corset, um, I mean, there's a lot of time consuming parts of making a corset, but that final phase, when you have everything tied together, sewn up, and you're like, oh, now I've got to spend 30 minutes running this lace in and out of the back. You don't really want to do that every time you're putting on the corset. And the Victorian ladies also decided they did not want to do that every time they were putting on a corset. Um, advances in the way steel was milled and repaired, um, different technology allowed them to develop busks in the 19th century that were opening busks. So um, there was always usually something in the front of a pair of bodies or a corset. In the Tudor era, it was like the bone or wood um, was very common. And it's partly because this is a place where you need a lot of support. And having that thicker, stronger support there will help support the, the silhouette you're going for. But the Victorians decided to take that and make it something that could buckle and unbuckle and speed up the process of getting dressed and undressed. And um, so busks are really a convenience factor. They are tricky to learn to put in, but they're not impossible. They're very intimidating looking. Um, but there's a great tutorial online by uh, historicalsewing.com. Um, a lady named Jennifer Rossborough produced it. She owns that website. And uh, she shows you how to put in the hard part of the bust. And she talks about um, how to do the other side, the easier side. So the, the really challenging part is usually the little part with these brads that stick out. We're going to, you're already folding some corsets that have busts. So the little knots on top are sort of the challenging part to put in. Um, and then she talks about inserting 
what we call the hooks, the other side. And yes, there's a right and wrong side for these. They are meant to be hooks on the right and brads on the left, but really if you reverse it when you're making your corset, um, no one will know. It's not the end of the world, yes. Is that available locally or is that a special one? Specialty item. The course, the bus? The bus. Yeah, all of our supplies pretty much have to be ordered from um, LA or New York or Canada. Canada. Um, Germany. Germany. Um, there's also a supplier out of, I think, like St. Louis or someplace east of the Mississippi. But California, it's cheaper to ship from California. Right. Um, before I start passing this around, um, this is the fashion fabric, canvas, and coutille. You, you, uh, you can see that it's going to be a little bit stiffer than the red and black that's fashion fabric in two layers of coutille. Yes, um, let me get yours, madam. Um, the the spiral bunny versus the, the streets of bunny, um, it feels like the spiral bunny would be a lot more comfortable because it just kind of bends in every direction. But it is. Is there, I mean, why aren't they all made like that? I mean, is there like a reason why you would, might not want to do that? <laughs> Oh, I mean, they're not that vastly different in, in expense. The flat steels and the spirals, like two cents a bone difference. So I was actually thinking versus the spiral or the steel versus the plastic. Oh, the oh. plastic. Um, okay. we'll, get yes, I know we'll, we'll get to the plastic. <laughs> oh, yes, we will. Um, so, but the, the difference for us is that it's more comfortable. We like that. Um, some people like a more rigid corset. They just prefer the feel. Sometimes it comes down to personal preference. Well, well the spiral, it will feel not It just well goes right into the back. It's no. awesome. <laughs> no. It just feels that way. People in Japan do that shit all the time. Still won't, you know, collapse. It will do this, but it won't, like, collapse. It won't roll. It, it will do this. It'll do this, but it's not gonna like, you have to like work it to make it roll. Now I can do that for corset. Um, it's been through a lot with me, but it won't do that naturally. Yes. Um, busts, can you order, do they have to be ordered cut to size? They or can you, is there like a standard size? It's a standard size. Um, I guess you could cut them, but we tried once and it's like. No, it's terrible. Basically you, okay. Also, sizing your stays and your busk. Yes. Um, if you remember on the corsets, there are, is binding on the top and the bottom. That is cut on the bias. And um, though sometimes they scream, I will never make my own bias tape again. I always do. <laughs> it's a lie if I say that. You do it every time. Yes. Um, I mostly learned not to say that. Um, the width that we use is a half inch. So we want our stays to be an inch and a scooch shorter than our, the vertical length because again, the needle won't go through steel. But the other thing is, if you have your stays right up against your stitches, eventually that metal, even if it's capped, will wear at your stitches and it will wear through your stitches. Now, I mean, it could be possible to repair it depending on how it's worn through. 
but you've just spent, you know, 20 to 30 hours making a corset. How many repairs do you want to do on it? Fewer is better. Yeah, so we usually, I usually counsel people to order their stays an inch and a quarter to an inch and a half shorter than the, the length of their corset because you want that seam binding, uh, you want that binding space, and then you want a scooch more on the top and the bottom. And the way you know the length of the stays you're going to buy is because you make a mock-up before you make your corset. I am a lazy seamstress. I do things as easily as possible. I want it quick. I want it now. I want to wear it. I don't pin seams. No, we don't pin. We, well, I, don't, no. I don't pin anymore. No, I only pin for pattern matching. So, um, we're going for speed. And we always make a mock-up. That is not a step you can skip. No matter what you think, that your measurements are good, that the pattern is great, that you've made it before and your body hasn't shifted, you must make a mock-up. I mean, must is a strong word. You may make your own choices as grown-up people. I highly recommend it. And then you measure your mock-up once you're done and you've got the fit you like, and you'll know how many stays you need and also the length of the stays you need. So if you're not cutting your own stays, then you'll, you'll know what to measure for. And also you need that for choosing the length of your busk. So a busk is going to go, so you can see, I think you can see, it goes a little bit below the top of your corset. Um, and this one is approximately half an inch below my binding, right? And it's going to go over your belly button and, and just an inch or two lower than your belly button. And the reason you don't want it much longer than that is because I suspect you would like to sit. <laughs> <laughs> you Jab make it too long, somewhere. it's going to stab you every time you sit. Ow. Which is, yeah, no, ow is yeah. the right answer. It don't but sound like that one. No, it's not, not a good oohoo. So, <laughs> that didn't sound good either. So that, that's part of why you want that mock-up. It helps you measure a lot of things. When you're fitting your mock-up, it helps to have a friend fit you. You can fit yourself, but having a friend fit you is a, a much, much less uh, aggravating process. Right, and if you are going to fit your own, you want a really large mirror. <laughs> And be careful with your kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and usually what we do is we just fit one side because most people are symmetrical. Ish. Ish. Ish enough. But we have had a couple of clients with scoliosis and other, you know, issues like that. And then you have, if you know that about yourself, if you know your body is not symmetrical and you have to fit both sides independently. You actually have to fit both sides of the corset, but then you only use one side of the corset to make your final pattern with. Yeah, right, so, so good rule of thumb. So, and um, the thing about the coutille and the expense, you don't actually need that much. Like I'm a, 
there's a lot of me. It takes like about a yard of couture for me to make a two-layer couture corset. Canvas. Yeah, something without much stretch, denim, yeah. canvas, duck. Muslin wouldn't work for this no. too. No, you want you want something with enough body so it kind of gives you the illusion that you're already wearing a corset. Uh, and it's just you don't want something that you're going to put on and you'll be like, oh I need to, to fit this and you're able to like stretch it when you're fitting, right? Also when you're fitting, go ahead and put the seams on the outside. Yes. Because that way you can just pinch. It's a lot yeah, easier to fit. And that's true about any garment markup you do. If you put your seams on the outside, um, it'll be easier. Oh, we have 15 minutes. 15 minutes. So, plastic boning. Yeah, quick. let's do plastic boning. Don't use it. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and the reasons why that we're in a place, well, all places really, body heat will warp your plastic hmm. boning. It will reshape every time you wear it. And it will kind yeah, of because the plastic boning that you get, Joanne, the ridge line, the feather weight, those are the most common types of plastic boning available. It's a low t melt, t it's a low temperature melt plastic. And uh, how 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 warm are we? Oh, one eighteen. Okay, well, um, and how warm is it outside in Phoenix today? Okay, so when that when that plastic gets to that temperature, it will soften and it will warp, and it will mold, and it will poke, and they go, oh my god, I hate this, and you take it off, and you throw it into the corner, and it will harden in that shape. Oh. And, and when you wear it again, it's going to warp again, but it's not going to like warp back into your shape. <laughs> it will It, it will, will, it will retain some of that wants. memory, and it'll soften, and it'll warp, and you go, oh my god, I hate this, and you'll throw it into a corner, and it'll harden in that shape. So some people like cable ties, they're cheap, they're readily available, you can get them at your Ace Hardware. They have more longevity than, say, the Ridgeline, but they will still eventually give to your body heat and the heat of the environment. Now, personally, if I just spent 30 hours on a garment, <laughs> and at cheapest, I'm spending a lot of money on the materials, I am not going to skimp on something that, you know, is costing me 20 cents a bow, all right? Now, you think, remember I said like 20 to 24 bones? That's not a lot of money. We're not saying stays anymore, nope. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're not, sorry. we don't say I think we're mostly safe now. Okay. All right, so um, I think we covered like the broad basics. As you can see, there's like a lot of information that we could go over. But um, there were some more hands, and we want to address your specific questions. So you and the new madam. Um, when you, I'm assuming you fit with the seams out with your clients as well. Yes. Oh yes. Have you ever had them look at you weird when you do that? No, because we explain what we're doing. Okay. We don't just like throw it on them and start doing. Yeah, it. the entire right. process for us is is uh, very hands-on, very knowledgeable. We educate as we do this. We tell people what we're doing to them because sometimes it's very handsy. Um, <laughs> that's true. Like, you, if, if you are helping a friend um, and making them a corset, just understand that, like, you'll 
become a much more intimate friend. And it's no good being coy about it because you need to be able to to really mold it to their physical shape. So that means get I mean getting really close and, and just just you yeah. know and you can't be shy. They can't be tentative. When you are doing the fitting, however, we highly recommend wearing a bra fit fits you well. Not just a bra you love because it's cute and it has polka dots and puppies. Uh, especially <laughs> a bra that puts them where you want them. That's very important. And so getting a good bra fitting before you get your corset can be critical. Sometimes we have that conversation with clients like, your bra is really lovely, but it's not really fitting you that well. And we send them to some um, bra manufacturers that we know, or bra suppliers that we know. We specialize in challenging figures. Right. We have a client who has an L cup. I'm a double G cup. You know, it's like, you don't really find that in Dillard's. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Barely find it like mine either. I don't go to that place for bras. (laughs) (laughs) They don't fit you. No, they don't. They don't know how. No, they don't. So there is, uh, we don't know his name, but there's a really great bra supplier here in Phoenix. CC's, all right, thank you. CC's can measure you and get you into the right seat. Yeah, I don't know if that's C-E-C-E or C-C, but it's CC's, like belonging to CC. All right, and then in Tucson, we like Alice Ray's a lot. You said what? Alice Ray's, because they also will measure you, they will fit you into a good bra, and they go from like, a to Z in the draw size. Well, yes. They're wonderful. They okay. are wonderful. Um, just a word of caution about C. It's not really a word of caution. It's a word of um, be prepared. You're going to be touched all over by this dude because he wants you to have the bra that fits you. It's nothing personal. He handles tatas every day of his life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's much like visiting a corset maker. And it's much like visiting a corset maker. We too are handsy. Yes. <laughs> you had your book or anything particular that you can pick up that'll help you? You know, there are a lot of online resources and tutorials now. Um, I do really love the historical sewing. Um, Jennifer has a lot of great resources and information that she shares okay. um, and she teaches online classes. Okay. We will teach you how to make a corset if you can come to Tucson and schedule appointments with us. Barring that, you can email us and within reason we will answer your questions. If it's like a five hour discussion, we're probably going to be like, we have tea. The other person that Tucson back in that time. The other thing that we have um, contemplated in the past is if there are enough people in the Phoenix area that want to do a workshop we will come up. Right. But, I mean, it's like an eight-week workshop because you want to go from beginning to end. And I mean, it's not every day. It's like once a week you meet and you work on your part at home and you come back and then we work some steps and you finish at home. So, um, you know, for us it doesn't necessarily take us eight weeks to, like, do every part of a corset. But it's typical eight to 12 weeks to go from fitting to completed corset, <coughs> just given like modern schedule. So of course it is a big time commitment,
and learning to make them is as well. But once you've got the skills, you've got them, right? And as I said, we're happy to answer the questions we can via emails or through our Facebook pages. So you can find Madame Askew easily on Facebook. Um, we are not trying to hide what we do because we haven't invented courses. There's not a trademark on this. It's a skill like any other, and we'd really rather you not reinvent the wheel. I mean, it just doesn't seem kind. No. So, um, any other questions? I, you know, they're having a good time, but I hope you're riveted <laughs> by our ties. Yes, you had a new question about the Obi that you made. Uh-huh. How? It looks like you put a hanger in there. I did. Because basically, uh, in Japan, well, kind of on the, um, I'm going to yeah. vector off a little bit. So basically, uh, an obi, a very formal obi can be anywhere from 9 to 12 yards of fabric. Um, and in Japan, in modern days, women can mostly only tie two bows. The really spiffy ones can tie three, three, for mod, because this is six. Um, three, and so um, if you have a special occasion that you want a super fancy obi bow, or there's you know there's other things going on, um, women go to professional dressers. Um, it's kind of like going to the beauty salon to get your hair and makeup done for your for your wedding. So they go to special dressers, and they're expensive. It's a highly skilled, highly in demand. Um, occupation that not a lot of people are doing these days. Um, so this type of obi is actually uh, totally legit. Where you have an obi and you have this little thing and the, the body band is like three or four um, rounds of the obi that then tie and you tuck in the ties so no one sees it. And then you take this little hangery thing and you just stick it in the back and then you're done. It's, it's a quick and easy way. So and, and, and it's completely legit. <coughs> yeah. I mean, not to like, reference the movie, but I did see the memoirs on occasion. Mm -hmm. movie. Watching those ladies get dressed, that was like two oh, hours of in, work. In Kyoto, there's places where you can dress up for like a geisha for a couple of hours. They do the whole shipping, they put the makeup on, they do a photo the, shoot. The wax and the hair. And, and the then they let you wander around Gion District and all of that shit by yourself. <laughs> they don't like follow you. They just let you wander around in a $30,000 obi for, or kimono it's set. Like, or like silk. Right? It is silk. Oh, yeah. No, and isn't it, some of it is like hand embroidered? Hand embroidered silk. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they let you leave. They, yeah, and they yeah, don't follow you around. Without, like, lotions and low Right, exactly. Well, you don't carry your modern purse with that because that's gross. And they don't wax your hair. They have these, they have these, I'm sorry, this is not corsetry, but they have these wigs that they put on. And, and what they do is they, they comb your hairline down and put the wig on, and, and they, they actually tie it to your hair so it doesn't move. And then they take your own hairline and comb it back into the wig. And if you don't have lovely dark hair like the Japanese women do, they have it shh, shh. <laughs> <laughs> and so your own hairline in that glorious updo with all the tchotchkes and blah, it's awesome. And no laughs. Um, and I highly recommend the experience if you're in Rio Kyoto. Back to horses. <laughs> one last question. Sorry, sorry, almost sorry. out of time. Yes, Madam. Um, Body shaping. Yes. Do you have any or body training 
shape training, whatever it's called. Waist training. training. Waist training. Do you have any resources for that? That seems um, like something that would be really interesting. Um, yes, and I would suggest actually that we talk offline about that outside of this panel Rock because on. it's like a bigger discussion that we probably have time for right now. Yeah, cool. we'll, we'll be like right outside for any follow-up questions or any questions of a more sensitive nature. Yes. Okay, so that wasn't really a question we could answer. Can you Sorry. Sign? No. Oh, I talk with my hands. Well, All right, because you yes. said you this and you. Six. Six. This is three. Oh, I, sign, I sign a tiny, tiny bit. Okay. Well, or you speak German. Or I'm European. For grommet, yes. Uh, well, first of all, use grommets, not eyelets. Okay. Use um, the two-part grommets. Right. Do not let Joanne's tell you that there's no such thing as grommets. That eyelets are your only option. Because there's also a special item for items. You can buy them. You can buy grommets at Tandy Leather. Yes. You can buy them at some of Paul Street stores. Mm -hmm. And this, get the hammer and anvil center. Don't get the pliers. You'll cry. No. Say no. Your hands are like this. Right. It's no good. So we like the double zeros, double offs. But the zeros is also good. Hey gamers, Jim here from Creative Play and Podcast Network. If you're in the Tucson area this September and October, I've got a special message for you. Hey, this is Karen from RinCon. We are having our convention from September 30th through October 2nd here in Tucson, Arizona. Come out and uh, play every kind of game under the sun with us. We've got role-playing, board games, minifigs, um, CCGs, we've got Artemis, we have panels with special guests, and this year the theme is steampunk. So uh, get out your, uh, dust off your dirigibles, get out your chapeaus, and put them on. Come on down. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.